This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting here with a wonderful, talented, and I would dare say lovely man. Oh, well, thank you very much. Tom Reed. Hi, Tom. Hi, hey, how are you? Good, good. Thank you for coming and doing this. Oh, yeah. For the people listening, can you just tell uh, a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I do a, a lot of acty things around town, primarily <laughs> of a comedic nature. Uh, right now, I'm in shows at the Brave New Workshop. Uh, I've also done a bunch of uh, one-man shows at the Fringe Festival, uh, parodying various pop things like uh, Harry Potter and uh, Twilight and The Hunger Games, Disney no. Princesses. The Hunger Games was the most recent one, right? Yep. Yeah, that was the most recent one. Not this most recent Fringe, but the Fringe before that was uh, the last one I did, yeah. Yeah. Tom gets very, very sweaty. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'll probably off. start sweating even though we are sitting here still in a, like, you know, a good temperatured room. I'll probably start sweating at some point just from moving my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think of you as the sort of the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch of the Twin Cities. <laughs> Because you're, you're funny and charming, and, and uh, people of a uh, lady or gay persuasion often speak of your abs. Well, I appreciate that attention. Thank you. Uh, I didn't know, I guess I didn't know Benedict Cumberbatch had sweet abs. Sweet I abs. guess it's it's just the nature of the sort of uh, uh, objectification. <laughs> oh, okay. Where it starts it. with, so funny and charming and great, and God, look at that butt. <laughs> so it always starts positive, and it's sort of like, it's about his talents and his ability, but it always gets down to the physical. <laughs> I think that's how we're wired as human beings, probably. Like, you know, oh yeah, I'll make polite conversation about the, the things I know are appropriate to talk about. And then, by the way, did you see <laughs> the kahunas on that lady? Because everyone calls breasts kahunas. Kahunas, <laughs> yes. Kahunas. Kahones, that's a... That's, that's a balls thing. That's uh, right? Spanish balls, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that would be That'd an be, amazing thing to say. That should be a very fair and non-objectifying topic of conversation. Yeah. That woman has testicles on her chest. That would be... It's something to note for sure. <laughs> uh, so when I when I contacted Tom about being on the podcast, like a lot of people, he, he thought about what his obsessions were. Mm-hmm. And your first reaction was just that you're sort of obsessed with being obsessed with stuff, right. right? Yeah, my first reaction was like, well, I think I'm obsessed with obsessions without getting too meta. Like I literally did not reply to the email for a few days because I was overwhelmed by the thought of pick one, oh, you know, uh, and then luckily you pinged me again, and we're like, hey, uh, you didn't respond, and I was like, I'm sorry, it's because I want to do it, but I, but I don't know which one, so yeah, I feel like I have the kind of personality where I get obsessed with a lot of things, and I get obsessed easily, and like, yeah, some of it also, without getting too dark or whatever, I feel like just, I have a, like an addictive personality, and actually lots of people in my family have had problems with substances at various points in time, where I'm like, I know I've got the genes to get hooked on things. And yeah. So luckily, so far, most of the things I've been hooked on are, you know, mostly positive. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I'm kind of wired in a way where I get obsessed easily and, and hard. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that. Where like, well, I could be an alcoholic, or I'll collect pogs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did have Tom narrow it down a little bit, and we can yeah. certainly talk about the general nature of obsession as sure. we go. But two in particular that I, I found fascinating mm-hmm. is that uh, Tom has been obsessed with Nerf guns. Yes. And competitive speech. <laughs> yeah. A, a range there, if ever there was. But yeah. Two no. almost violent things. <laughs> yeah, very. There's competitive and there are projectiles, but no one's quite getting damaged. No, yeah. no. So I, so I wanted to start with just kind of, can you explain the basics of Nerf guns for people who have never played with a Nerf gun and oh, kind of so what your, your past with Nerf guns are? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, my past with Nerf guns is that as a kid, I have hippie parents and I was not allowed to play with guns. 
So, like, I think there's some of making up for lost time now as a, an adult. I, I'm, like, making up for that not being able to play with guns thing. <laughs> so I, I really didn't have Nerf guns as a kid. Maybe the technology wasn't as developed, too. But, like, I had a Nerf bow and arrow at some point. But, you know, it was very much not a gun uh, per mom. Um, so my but my history with them in terms of being more obsessed with them is only in about the last year. Oh, all, really? I yeah, think this was a childhood thing. No, it probably should be, <laughs> and it would be more appropriate if it were. And certainly, they are marketed to children. <laughs> but no, this is a this is a relatively recent development. Like, I it came from I was reading an article in Wired, and it was talking about the new like the most recent line of Nerf stuff that they have developed, where uh, they were sort of put to the test of like, hey, you know, the the thing that kids want. Uh, no kids being their target demographic. Uh, <laughs> kids want is they want the darts to fly further, and they want higher capacity magazines. They want more darts in their gun uh, to shoot. <laughs> and it, it went through this this process of you know the guy who was developing it or whatever, and how they created a huge capacity gun that could shoot darts really far. And I was like, oh man, yeah, Nerf Nerf guns are awesome. I should like look at them at Target. And and like it began there, and it hasn't stopped. And I literally, I don't think I've gone in a Target in the last year and not at least wandered through the nerf aisle to make sure i haven't seen something that makes a lot of sense to me like i i had a an obsession with collecting star wars action figures yeah. for many years and i i broke that habit uh out of financial necessity <laughs> right right uh and space in my home yeah. and this was years ago but i still i, I walk through the aisle yeah and i think about it <laughs> I, yeah me too i think about it i ogle it sometimes if i'm bored i'll just look on amazon and i'll just Punch in Nerf and see, oh, wonder what what new things have, have come out recently. Oh no, it's the same old stuff. Oh, I've seen the strong arm a million times. Oh, nope. the price went down three dollars. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I should get another. No, no, wait, don't, don't do it. You've got two. You're all right. How many do you have? Do you have two? Uh, no, no, I have two of, of that particular gun. I just <laughs> the strong arm. It has it holds six rounds and it's a great little gun. Uh, no, I have I have somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five, uh, something like that. Wow, it's a lot. I, I should maybe say that with more embarrassment in my voice. I have twenty five. Do you have them like displayed in a sort of like armory situation in your home? You know, I live I live with my fiance Anna Weigel, uh, who's also been on the show. Uh, right, she's yeah. she I had them more displayed in our basement. Uh, <laughs> In a, in, and she was like, that is absurd. <laughs> She's like, that just looks excessive. And like, it's like too materialistic looking and, and just ridiculous. She's like, you're a man, not a child. And so I still have several of them displayed, but I have some of them strategically placed underneath things so that they're easily accessible. I can grab okay. them and play with them at, any, at will, but they're not on display. And they're pretty much relegated to the basement, too. Do they make like heads, like Nerf? animal head so you can create like a hunting room with your like nerf oh, trophies they should <laughs> that would be awesome i have a monster thing that is like a, on a plaque uh, but that has nothing to do with nerf um, <laughs> but you can still, put it, still, up I can still you... put it up as though i hunted it you know it would actually be appropriate to have been taken down by nerf <laughs> awesome uh so can you talk to me a little bit about the basics of competitive speech yeah. and uh, for people who don't know what that is yeah that's just like a bunch of people in a room sort of organized by category of literature or whatever, uh, you, you, there are a bunch of different categories in competitive speech. It's done at both the high school and the, uh, the collegiate level. Okay. A lot of people don't know that it can be done in college. <laughs> That's if you're really nerdy and in, in, intense about it. Um, but yeah, you know, there are a bunch of different categories, everything from like humorous speaking to duos to things you write yourself that are persuasive. 
and uh, you're competing. You know, you do the same speech a bunch of times in a day, competing against different groups of people. Uh, there's a judge at the back of the room who's judging you and ranking right. you and giving you comments and ratings. And then you go, you know, if you do well, you move on to final rounds and things. And so then winners and losers are declared. And, you know, I have lots of speech trophies hiding in boxes somewhere. <laughs> nice. They could yeah. also be in your armory. Yeah, yeah, right. I should really put them up as targets and kill two birds with one stone. Uh, and, and it's really rigid in terms of the rules for each category, right? Like, yeah. you know, if you're doing, like, duo interpretation, that means a very, very specific thing, right? It, it does. I think part of what makes it easy to get obsessed with is there are a bunch of really nuanced, specific rules. And then in addition to the rules, there are, like, norms that are, like, here, this is the era of this thing being kind of okay, even though it's a gray area in the rules. And so part of, I think, your job, if you're trying to be successful at, at speech, you know, probably anything competitive, is to find how far you can walk up to the rule, uh, the line, and not cross it, and, like, be edgy, and, oh, wow, that's a creative thing that's never been done before, but still technically within the rules. So there's just, there's a, you know, huge layers of nuance, I think even more so at the collegiate level, where you, you're often trying to find a line that you're not crossing, but that you're walking right up to and maybe, like, putting a hand across and saying, look at how creative I am. I've right. almost broken a rule, but if you read the letter of the law I haven't broken it and it's innovative you know yeah I had a friend in high school who was pissed because the judges kept uh, judging him differently if he was doing like I think it was like a creative monologue yeah and it was specifically like you can have a chair but you cannot use props <laughs> yes and at one point he tipped over his chair yeah and some judges were like well That's played and other people oh, were like that is a prop you ass yeah exactly yeah I, I know I know the category assuming it's in Minnesota is creative expression is probably the category that okay. he was in and, <laughs> and that is it's totally that's a thing is those are the kind of like idiosyncratic debates you have when you're inside that community and you you've dug in and you are like I believe here is the line on the prop rule you know and yeah. then you know you're trying to mess with it and, and yeah that type, of, that type of thing happens all the time where they're like you know, half the judges are like, yeah, rad, man, that was cool. And then half of them are like, I'm a stickler for the, the intent of the rule as well, and that crossed it. And yeah. it's, it's always about ridiculous, idiosyncratic things like, is tipping over a chair that you're allowed to have, does that then constitute a prop? It's yes. something ridiculous like that, or like, you can't really make eye contact. It's the most like stilted and unnatural thing if you're doing a, a duo in speech. You know, you and one other person performing a, a piece of drama, uh, cutting from a player or, or whatever, and you can't make eye contact. That's one of the rules. Yeah, see, this is why I find it fascinating because <laughs> yeah. it is like it is so good and like creative, but fights the very nature of yes. creativity in these very weird ways. Absolutely, and I, there's a phrase out there that I learned from from improv uh, stuff where limit to free, and there's an element of that I think where you're like, well, here are the, the here are the confines I'm allowed within. Cool. I know. I know that's the box I'm in. Let's right. go crazy in that box. But there's also the if a lay person wanders into a speech performance, depending on the category, they might be like, "What are they doing? Well, who are these weirdos who are interacting while looking out at the audience?" Right. So, yeah. So, I like, like I like the limit to free idea is yeah. a form of just sort of creative expression. But then yeah. it's also for me sort of like, what exactly are you preparing people for creatively when they're doing these really right. weird things? You're preparing them to, them to stand very still, <laughs> stare straight be very ahead. presentational, <laughs> and uh, never make eye contact with anyone. Can you else. do a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> like you're a psycho killer? Right. Yeah. Are exactly. you prepared for that? Uh, yes, I am. Very, I am more prepared than one ever ought to be to do that. I did it for just a. I think like. Uh, quarter a semester or whatever the hell mm -hmm. I had in high school yeah. and it got on my nerves because of that because of that sort of like limitation yeah and the judges were were really weird in that they were either like sort of like sort of 
older, mm-hmm. uptight, rigid people. <laughs> yes. Or people who are quite young and seem to kind of have this, like, hip vibe yes. that sort of, like, it bothered, bothered me even in high school. Like, why are you playing the hip card when you're... Yeah. In a high school at 9 a.m., right. judging me on my competitive speech. You can't be that hip if you need this $50 <laughs> so badly that you went to bed at 9 last night and to get up at 5 a.m. to get on a bus full of teenagers yeah. to go to this tournament. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, actually, speech judges are, are lovely people because most of the time they're doing it for the love, not the money. But, like, yeah, you can't be too cool for school when you're 19 and you're judging 16-year-olds and, you know, it's it's 8 a.m. and everyone's tired and, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, speech, in a lot of ways, is a lot of BS. But, that, you know, there are lots of other circumstances when you get out of high school and college that are, there are BS rules surrounding you anyway. So it's like, right. you got to crack that BS code and then sort of, <laughs> you know, come to terms with the BSness of it and like get past that and then say, all right, now we, we admit we're in this BS world. What can we do with this? But it is also, it's so artificial. I've, you know, I've had lots of habits. I've had to sort of break from going from speech to more realistic performance settings. You know? Yeah. I need to move my feet, for example. Uh, whereas in speech... Two steps. If you take two steps, that's allowed. But three steps, uh, and you're acting. <laughs> yeah, the one note I remember, which was from some like guy who, you know, in retrospect, was probably like 22 right. and had a leather jacket. So cool. And he wrote down like, "Get yourself some planned gestures, man." <laughs> and he literally said, "Man," in the notes, and he... it pissed me off. And like, like, why are you playing the cool card and talking about planned gestures? God, like, oh, that's fantastic. But he took the time to write that down. It wasn't just like an offhand. <laughs> Comment. He's like, in this comment section, I'm gonna write. Take the time to get some planned gestures, man. <laughs> that that is a, a paradox, if ever there was one. Yeah. So I've got some specific questions that yeah. will jump back and forth between nerf and competitive speech. Awesome. Uh, so according to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. the original slogan for nerf, like the nerf ball, was "Throw it indoors. You can't damage lamps or break windows." You can't hurt babies or old people. <laughs> yes. Which I, for the, t- what was that, 1989 or something? Uh, this was like, I, I can't remember. It was like, like a, a, a while ago. Oh, 70s. No, 70s. it was 70s. I think it was in the 70s, right. yeah. yeah. So is that is that true? Have you, do you break <laughs> things? Do you hurt babies and old people? I try not to. <laughs> uh, I try not to. Uh, no, I don't think I've ever hurt a baby or an old person. Modern darts travel fast enough. Uh, I can't say man at the end of this because I'm already so cool. We're just starting with modern darts. But uh, yeah, like modern darts, like they travel fast enough where at close range they sting a little, but on bare skin anyway. Uh-huh. They're still like crazy safe and they're, they're regular, like nerf guns are super regulated and have to be like federally approved that the velocity and the mass uh, right. and are all like not going to hurt an old person or a baby. <laughs> but like they sting now. The old like suction cup darts ones and the like the very first nerf thing, which was just a ball, like you, I mean, you really could not hurt someone with that if you tried. You, yeah. you, you would have to like hold the ball and then hit them with the backside of your hand with the ball in it, which then technically is not Nerf's fault. But you yeah. can always get something in the eye though, right? Yeah, Eyes you, are always vulnerable. Guess, but the, they're so, those are big enough where I feel like, I don't know if the geometry works to even get enough ball <laughs> past your like eye socket to hit it. So you have like huge subterranean mole eyes. <laughs> yes, exactly. You could be hurt. But, right. but I like the specificity of you can't hurt babies or old people, which I understand, but it also sounds like you can kill a healthy adult. Right. They are going down. <laughs> However, the vulnerable are somehow less vulnerable. But have you have you destroyed anything in your home or other people's homes? Because obviously, shooting a high-velocity dart at, like, a lamp... Yeah. They're coming out at, like, 50 miles an hour. I mean, you would think... <laughs> 
You would think I, I would have, but I don't think I have. I've angered people who didn't want to be shot. I've damaged relationships, but okay. never actual, like, things. Uh, yeah, but I, no, I don't think I've ever broken anything, which maybe I'm just lucky so far. But uh, as a child, I'm trying to think, too. You know, the, the old darts and stuff, too, like this big Nerf bow. I don't know if you know what I'm referring to. They're probably, like, five yeah, yeah. inches long or something. They're big and, and weigh enough. You could totally break a light bulb or something if you hit it or knock a... A vase off of a ledge. Did you use one of those in the Hunger Games? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even own that thing, but I was mid nerf obsession during that. I think that you know maybe it was a couple years ago I started being obsessed because uh, yeah, I remember I wanted to use a lot more nerf things than (laughs) actually like I literally part of the final cutting process for that particular show was me going this is here because I am having fun with this Nerf thing, not because it's benefiting the show. <laughs> like, I had to be, like, it was a come to Jesus, like, okay, Tom, you're having fun. That's good. But at the expense of this show, you should take probably this cut these. Nerf performance art right, moment out. <laughs> right, take it out because you'll have a great time then. And the audience is like, oh, so Tom likes shooting Nerf guns. That's not fun for me. Uh, awesome. So, yeah. Okay, uh, so speech question. Uh, have you ever made someone cry during your competitive speech? Either yeah. because you destroyed them in competition or because you moved someone to tears? <laughs> um, I, I don't know of destroying anyone. Part of me hopes yes. It's <laughs> a terrible thing to say now that it's out loud. Um, I mean, I kind of... Uh, it, it, I, I never, never that I know of uh, have I made anyone cry because of being destroyed competitively. Although, speech is something that if you're immersed in that community, a lot of people take far too seriously especially looking back like it's ridiculous how serious I took it and I still feel like I had some context of like I'm really into this but I know that there is more world out there I don't think everyone has that filter they're like this is the world oh it's very easy this round is the be all end all of my worth as a human being and so I don't know I'm sure people have cried from that just because they didn't win but uh, I I, I mean I definitely have moved people to tears uh, like with serious pieces I've done where you see people crying, and then you're like, "Yes!" So, like, what what kind of topics were you were you were you doing, or what categories? Um, that was more in college. In high school, I don't know that I ever moved anyone to tears because I was always <laughs> doing just ridiculous, goofy stuff. Um, but in college, I did a lot more serious um, pieces and things with much more intense tones. I don't know. I did stuff that involved stalkers, and I did stuff that involved uh, like men being feminists and talking about some real dark side of of. Uh, humanity I guess um, and certainly some of that stuff you know you'd get tears from time to time I'm trying to think there are probably other ones too but that's what comes to mind first but I, I also did very like intensely seriously themed things um, in, in college a fair amount like I, I did a lot of comedic stuff too but it was usually in the context of a broader thing that had a pretty serious rhetorical argument I was going for <laughs> cool but cool. yeah that's actually a really I mean that's that's this sounds maybe sadistic but that's a good feeling uh, <laughs> to know you made someone cry <laughs> like that was always a, you know it's like with comedy you get that instant feedback like someone laughs right. I'm doing my job right. but with drama it's a it's silent and awkward if you're if you're sort of wired for comedy the way I am where I'm like I need to hear that feedback otherwise I don't know if I'm doing good so if you get a little Tear, you see teary-eyed or a little whimper or something or an oh you're like yeah yes. <laughs> I got the feedback and I know I'm doing well you can apply all the rules you've learned of comedy like wait <laughs> for that this moment to die down <laughs> yeah, right, and then go for the next cry yeah. line wait for the whale and it's <laughs> waning right now and here we go that one, one. <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, so if you were in charge of Nerf what kind of guns would you want what are they not making that you want oh man they're making more than I want already that's the thing <laughs> uh, oh Wow, that's a tough question because they do such a good job, and I'm just such a big fan. Um, 
Here, my ideal gun would probably be easy to operate with one hand, <laughs> which some of them are, but many of them are not. Okay. <laughs> don't, what, think what? That, don't think through that too all right, hard. All right. um, easy to operate with one hand somehow would be magically not battery powered. Most of them aren't, but usually you need a, a spare hand to cock it. Okay. Uh, and would hold, it would hold an infinite number of darts that travel much <laughs> further than they do now. Here... Okay, here's what I'm getting at. I think it would, it, it would be really high range and high velocity, but really, really accurate. Because the thing is, okay. is the modern darts that I keep referring to, like a dork, um, are they go really far, but they're really inaccurate. Right, but they the, arc. They, they yeah, they kind of flip around. I'm just at I think at that high velocity, like just they're more likely to shoot around. So you, you know? want like a one handed. Like sniper, <laughs> sniper rifle. Yeah. Sniper rifle. I want a one-handed sniper <laughs> rifle. I'm asking for more than we can even achieve in actual firearms, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would want them to be like, because you can, you can place a like a, a suction cup dart or the old school darts that go less fast. You can place those in a nice, like tight grouping. Like you can be really <laughs> accurate at like thirty feet or can something you in my your basement. Name? Can I? Uh, I could, yeah, yeah, with enough darts, sure. <laughs> with enough darts, I'm not too far away. But the the newer ones that travel faster are awesome, especially if you're like in a big space or outdoors. That's what you want to have. But they just kind of go floating all over a little more than I, I would prefer. I know you bike a lot, so with the one-handed yeah. thing, I'm picturing that what you want is to do drive-bys. <laughs> right, yes, that would be, oh, that'd be the most fun ever. A big Nerf war on bikes. Which, seriously, that'd be great. I've thought about it, though. I, I've had them attached to my backpack while biking before because <laughs> I either had a purpose to bring a Nerf gun somewhere or just wanted to. Um, and uh, I've thought about that, though. That would be that'd be a lot of fun. I've thought about, like, you know, someone cuts you off. You know when you ride a bike, people are oh, yeah. they're jerks all the time. Uh, cars are, <laughs> even without meaning to be a lot of the time. I would love to be able to, like, shoot a dart that I had written on it. Drive more carefully around bikes <laughs> or something like that. As opposed to, like, I've heard of people who have little U-locks they just carry on their handlebars for smashing windows of gym. Jerks, and I'm sure that's a lot of bluster, but I would yeah. love to be able to like, send a message without just you know shouting obscenities at someone. Well, like, that would scare hey. the shit out of me yeah. if I was driving along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might be more likely to crash into me, so maybe that would be a downside. There's that. So, But why do you actually want a, a one-handed one? Is that just the next level of technology? Well, they, I mean, they, a lot of them are one-handed, but the thing is, is that you have to use two hands to operate them well f- for the most part. And so I would just like to be able to have one in each hand. I just want oh. to be Lara Croft, I guess is what it is. <laughs> I want to, be, be I want to raid some tombs. <laughs> Jump through the air <laughs> while shooting two Nerf guns. And I want to be doing a mid midair cartwheel while, while that's happening. Yeah. I want this too. So I want uh, to be an acrobat. Is what I want Nerf to make me a better acrobat. Uh, okay, so moving on. According uh, to <laughs> Wikipedia, which of the following is not a real category in competitive speech? According to Wikipedia? According to Wikipedia, so okay. it might be wrong. Okay, sure. Uh, original oratory, mm-hmm. persuasion, mm-hmm. special occasion speaking, extemporaneous eulogy, humorous interpretation, <laughs> or after-dinner speaking. Extemporaneous eulogy. That is correct. Yeah, that's awesome, though. They should do that category and actually build some life skills in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would make people cry. Right. Because right, Yeah, right, really. Right now, they you know there's extemporaneous speaking where you're speaking about uh, current events and you're kind of making it up as you go a bit. Like, you do a bunch of research and then you kind of go give a speech based on a topic you draw that moment. And, like, that's actually fairly applicable to life in a lot of ways, but... Most of those, those other ones you listed have few direct uh, life applications. I like to think that like after dinner speaking is just about how not to belch. <laughs> right. Here are some things you're going to want to know about what's happening in your digestive system right now. Uh, number one, it's going down there and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get bubbly, everybody. Okay, so here, here's a deeper Nerf question. Yeah. Uh, is Nerf a good analogy for modern masculinity? Oh. 
yes. Uh, my, my gut says yes. The things that came to mind immediately are, <laughs> it's like brightly colored, like <laughs> like a bird of paradise or like a peacock or something like from the animal kingdom that is like uber masculine and the way you show that is don't be gray and brown that's a ladybird man birds get all the the fancy colors so for some reason that that linkage uh works for me in a masculine sense and there's something about guns that just for some reason it seems like at least stereotypically it's, it's totally a dude thing i mean nerf is, has uh until very recently marketed their toy, toys almost exclusively to guys like it's not like they're like no girls allowed but they're very, the guys or the people in the box holding the guns are all boys and yeah. have always been boys until like in the last year they've released actually a line of uh, rebel nerf rebel oh, yeah yeah they're well, pink yeah. I know there's a lot of bitching about that uh, from yeah. parents about just wanting to have toys that are unisex and I yeah and I think yeah. I think ladies like to shoot stuff obviously I have <laughs> evidence that, that proves that to be true I actually yeah. got uh, yeah. a, a, a a, one of those Nerf Rebellas. Actually, I wasn't trying to get it for her. I was getting it for me because I was like, well, this is interesting. And it had some different design things going on. And I was like, oh, novel. That, I want to try that out. So I got it. And then I like put it full of darts and put it under her pillow uh, as a, something she would find and then hopefully shoot me with, which would then give me cause to shoot her back. It was very tricky. It really, I was like, I want to have a Nerf War. How do I make this happen? But she's like, oh, is this a gift? And I was like, Yes! <laughs> now that I know you want it, it is absolutely a gift. Did it work? Did she shoot you? Yeah, oh yeah, she, sh- yeah. she shot me a bunch. And she, she likes it. I mean, I don't know, it's just, I don't think it's just the colors, but they, uh, something that the Nerf marketing people have figured out has uh, appealed, appealed to her. And I, I've heard from other people, especially parents who have younger women or young, you know, girls, that they're like, yeah, they, they have these and they love them too. It is absurd to me, though, that they yeah. colored them pink and white and that that was you know, how they finally put them in the girl's aisle at Target. Yeah, but I do like that just sort of by the nature of the thing, it is, like, stereotypical masculine of, yeah. like, shooting wants to go farther and hit harder, <laughs> yes. but you can't get around the fact that I'm shooting a soft thing out of a colorful gun, and, like, it's... and that undercuts some of our kind of bullshit masculinity. Totally. It's, it's a lovely... It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely... Um bridled masculinity is <laughs> the, the embodiment of, of, of you know like modern male life or something where it's like I just want to shoot things and have sex with everything oh but with a soft foam dart in a consequence free environment it's like but I can't I can't really shoot so I'm gonna do this it's really it's probably just a perfect metaphor for masturbation in a way it's not a real firearm there's no actual danger you know right. nothing, nothing bad's gonna happen as a result of this fun I'm gonna have right now by myself Maybe if but, ladies uh, see me doing it, they'll join yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And hey, we'll get her a gun. And, uh, I don't know where that metaphor goes, but it's probably problematic. Yeah, normal places. Yeah. Uh, so when you're talking to people in real life, do you ever find yourself scoring them as though they're doing competitive speech? <laughs> uh, never in conversation, but absolutely in, in a public speaking environment. I can't turn that off. I mean, yeah. I do competitive speech. It's in for, deep, right? Yeah, it is ingrained in me. And like, I did it for eight years. That's a that's a sizable percentage-wise chunk of my life yeah. uh, that I can't get away from. And also, when you do it, you usually end up judging it a fair amount to at some point, too. You know, when you're in college, you judge high school or whatever. And so I, I'm a little bit wired to be evaluating people's performances. I try to turn it off sometimes, but man, at work and stuff, I'll see people present and I'm like, oh, you shouldn't be in front of an audience. Or I'm like, with 10 minutes of good information, but someone could just give you 10 minutes of coaching and you would be like a 40% better public speaker if you just took two things. Like what kind of specific things do you notice? Do you like, are people like moving two steps or that kind of thing? Or is yeah. it 
you, you're noticing like the actual qualitative thing, not the dumb little rules, right? No, yeah, I don't think, I hope not. I'm not, I'm not noticing things in the world of, uh, that would only be wrong, in quotes, in the world of speech. I'm, I think I'm noticing things that are just like, oh, you don't know how to be in front of a group of people when talking. Right. It's more like, yeah, that repetitive movement stuff. I've watched people <laughs> that love to like take two steps one way and then with no motivation kind of wander the other direction <laughs> and then wander, and they're just literally pacing in front of you. Or, uh, or like, uh, you know, actually, that's not really a speech thing, but like weird mic work gets me yes, too yeah. with uh, people who you're like, you're in charge of a lot of people. How do you not know how to do this? <laughs> or eye contact is a big one, especially if it's something they have notes on. And so they're, you know, sort of going between reading and talking out at people. If someone's head is just down and staring at a piece of paper, especially behind a podium, like, that's the least engaging thing ever. Yes, it's, yeah. It's like, look at, hey, we're out here. Get yourself some <laughs> gestures, man. Yeah, get yourself some meaningful <laughs> gestures, man. I should really send an email to some people that says exactly that. Cool. Uh, so I, I want to ask a question now that combines the two obsessions. I cannot wait. If you could use Nerf guns in a competitive speech, what, <laughs> what kind of speech would you give and... What sort of category, what would the point be? Uh, you know, there are a couple different ways I think I could see it fitting. One would be just like a, a demonstration or, a, or an informational speech about Nerf. It's like, <laughs> and the cool engineering feats that have been reached with this, you know, foam thing that can shoot 100 feet without hurting your baby sister. Like, yeah. that, that's a tall order. That's, that's impressive that they have done that. That's just amazing. And there's a bunch of... You know, the mechanisms and the design of the darts is just interesting, maybe only to me, but uh, interesting <laughs> uh, and would fit in like an informative kind of context. Uh, and it's funny that you brought that up, like uh, in rehearsing the last Brave New Workshop show, mm-hmm. there's like there's this moment in the show where I just like, come out and dance like an idiot and it's just supposed to be over the top and ridiculous. <laughs> One time in rehearsal during uh, teching, so like the highest stress part of the rehearsal yeah. process, I came out with a couple of Nerf guns that I had brought and were just around uh-huh. um, and, and was instantly scolded. <laughs> and like, So I'm like flashing back to that moment where I got yelled at for using Nerf guns in a performance context where they did not belong. And to be fair, I should have done it but uh i've already tried to bring them into a uh performance context and it doesn't always work um, <laughs> but yeah a, a speech to inform it could work really well there's also there's a category this is going to get super nerdy but in college where you're analyzing a communication um artifact uh, okay. so someone might analyze like a, a video that went viral and say here's what this means about the world and society and where we are as a people and i think you could probably take nerf things especially this moment where they now have created the in quotes, girls line right. of Nerf guns. And what does that say? Uh, what does that say? I think that's an interesting and, and rich uh, place to look into. Do you think you'd be able to actually fire them? Like, get a whole <laughs> clip off in a competitive speech? Oh, yeah, you know, in that category, you can use uh, you can use props. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in that particular one at the college level, you got a little more leeway. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that might be a nice thing to have people remember you. Oh, you're the Nerf guy. Yeah. You know, like... And there's no rule technically against shooting the judge, correct? No, no, no rules. <laughs> you would want to choose carefully and know your audience and shoot only people you think would be okay with it. But yeah, that would actually be really fun. I should probably send an email to a known speech coach and be like, hey, someone should do a speech about this and shoot guns. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I'd like to ask people kind of little uh, litmus test questions about how obsessed they are. Sure. So this will also uh, ping back and forth. Yeah. Is there anyone that you wouldn't shoot with a Nerf blaster? Oh, I mean, someone who is really like unwilling. I don't. I have no desire to make someone feel uncomfortable or mad. So yeah. if I knew in advance someone to be really like it would bother them to be shot, I probably wouldn't shoot them. So like, if you were at like, say it's your like your birthday party, yeah, and everybody has said. 
Tom, it is okay. You can shoot any one of oh, us. Yeah. Everyone's good. You... <laughs> yeah. Everyone will be shot. Then you plug everyone. I mean, my face. They gave me permission. No. Like the Dalai Lama shows up, and you're like, yeah. yeah like, hey, really it. honored to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and I would hope that he would respond in kind, and you know, right back. Uh, I love that had the cadence of like a gangster rap shooting, <laughs> yeah, you're, but you're with right. the accurate popping sound. I'm popping the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna write that when I get home. Excellent. Uh, if asked, would you actually do an extemporaneous eulogy at someone's funeral? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I absolutely would. I mean, how extemporaneous would be tricky? Like, do I literally have no warning or preparation? Like an hour ahead of time, you get some notes on their life. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. I mean, is it someone I know or is it someone I don't know? I think it's more fun if it's someone you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's really what they truly want, yes, absolutely. That sounds like a fun challenge. Uh, that when I got into it, it would probably become more daunting as I considered the like, oh my gosh, this is... This is talking about someone who just passed away and everyone is mourning them. Uh, but at face, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I'm sure to get more serious and I would start shaking a minute or two before I got up there. But, but you have experience yeah. in making people cry. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, I'll just put to use those little dramatic tricks and really intense, long eye contact and <laughs> trying to say something in the most intense possible tone. Do they, do they really teach you to do, like, Charles Dickens' voice? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, not, not quite. But, yeah, you do all kinds of things. Sure to get some vibrato. Right. Uh, why are you doing this, Teresa? <laughs> yeah. You do learn how to be you know, emotionally manipulative, though. You definitely... That's a thing. You stu- you don't call it that in speech, but that's something you learn to do, is emotionally manipulate people. Yeah, I but mean, I guess that's... Perf- that is what performance, performance is, is yeah. doing that elegantly and with <laughs> purpose, right? Ideally, but it is. with that's a thin facade is. over the top of, you know, just brazen manipulation. <laughs> I'm going to make you sad. Yeah. Here it comes. Um, Get on your crying glasses. <laughs> Put on your crying hat. Here we go. Uh, if Nerf blasters were outlawed by the government, would you become a freedom fighter? Apparently, yeah. I would not like dump my arsenal in the garbage. No way. Not a chance. Yeah. From my cold pl- plastic hands. <laughs> From my cold neon pink hands. Right. From my warm, alive, defiant hands. Yeah, no, I totally would. I don't know if I would actively... Uh, fight anyone because that would be a little beyond the spirit of nerf. <laughs> nerf it's <laughs> like, be pretty contrary. Let's be clear, I'm not into real fight. I'm going to get a real gun me. and yeah. shoot you. <laughs> yeah. Trying to take away dear my government, <laughs> you try to take away something that's not dangerous. I'm going to get real dangerous. <laughs> nice. But yeah, uh, I, would be, I would become a felon very quickly. So if Michael Bay made a movie about competitive <laughs> speech, yes, would you go? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> because that is a combination of worlds that has no business being together. <laughs> oh, the explosions! I just want to see the absurd ways that he finds a way to justify explosions in a competitive speech environment. I just, I don't, right. I don't know. The how. Hero can only take two steps away from the explosion. Let mine. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I, uh, that is a wonderful premise. I want to see. I want to see that happen. Not because I think it's going to be good, but because I'm interested in how that is executed. Well, I'd be happy to see you do a sketch about it. Yeah, I should. <laughs> you should run with it. I'm writing this. Uh, um, is there any situation in which you would choose shooting a Nerf blaster over having sex? <laughs> oh man, uh, this shouldn't be that tough of a question. Probably not. <laughs> But probably not. Well, I guess, assuming it's 
sex with with my fiance, and I'm supposed to someone sex with someone I'm supposed to have sex with, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. No. If somebody um, came to your house and was trying to seduce you, that would be a great <laughs> yeah. diversion. Of right. I'd be like, nope. Let's too busy. Too busy with this Nerf gun. <laughs> uh, sure, you didn't come in, but uh, no, uh, I can't see an instance where she would shout down in the basement, "Quit playing with your Nerf guns." Uh, and me not being like, yes, I'm done playing. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> one, I, like I have it. one priority right. <laughs> Excellent. Um, would you do a duo speech presentation with Hitler? Oh. Uh, uh, what's the topic? What are we doing? <laughs> what's the piece? Are we doing you something guys can from put Mein your Kampf? heads together. <laughs> yeah, something from Mein Kampf. That, um, yeah, that would be extra challenging. It would be really challenging. Um, yeah. If I could do it in a way that is not, like, endorsing him in any way, like, uh, if I could do it in some way that is critiquing him as a human being, or, you know, or the things he is, sort of stands for, then absolutely, yes. If I have to do it in a way that's complacent with uh, him, no. I'm probably overthinking this, but, like, my first, my gut reaction is honestly, like, that would be amazing. Yes, why not? There's a story in there. <laughs> like, and then I get to tell people, and write a book. Think of the book deal. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I like the image of it, that you're talking about something that is not, you know, Hitler-related, like the history of nutmeg or something. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. And you guys are standing, staring straight ahead, <laughs> yeah. not making eye contact. We're just doing a cutting from some David Ives piece or something like, <laughs> you know. No eye contact with <laughs> no Hitler. Eye contact with Hitler. That'd be the upside. I wouldn't have to make eye contact with him. Right. So that'd be good. I would have to be seen in public with him, though, and that's, that's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. That's, that might not be the best for your career. It's a bad PR <laughs> move, I think, in all ways. Yeah. Uh, okay, so final question. If you could actively choose your next obsession, what would it be? Like, because I, I get the sense that you sort of like you fall into things and yeah. then you're really intense about them and then they maybe drift off and then other things take their place. Yeah. If you felt like I, I have my hand on the steering wheel, <laughs> what, would, what would be a good thing to be obsessed with? I think... The qualifications of a good obsession for me, it, Nerf actually fits the bill fairly well um, because it's. I mean, I have a bunch of guns, but they're they're not very expensive. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, while if I actually did the math and found out how much I'd spent, I'm sure I would feel ashamed of myself and would have trouble admitting it in public. But um, it wouldn't be that bad. And so, I think it would have to be something that is like accessible and relatively inexpensive and not damaging to me or someone else. And ideally would have some <laughs> side benefit like standing around and shooting nerf guns in my basement is kind of therapeutic right like, it's it's a little bit i don't know cathartic or something just boom and shoot this target and there's a simplicity to it where i like i can turn my brain off and just stand there and fire these foam darts at a thing and then you know the objective is really simple i'm trying to hit that thing hanging from my basement <laughs> ceiling like yeah. and if i don't oh well i try again so it, it, having a fringe benefit like that, you know, like when I've had like many obsessions with video games or something, I think there's a, a like legitimate like relaxation value there. Like oh, I, absolutely. I tune out. I like I really get into whatever it is and all the other things, you know, kind of go away for a bit. So ideally it would be, you know, inexpensive, accessible and just kind of have a therapeutic value. <laughs> like I, I've been really into exercise at various points in time and mm -hmm. uh and like that, that I think for the most part was a positive thing. You know, I got in better shape and, you know, like it wasn't an obsession that could last forever. There just aren't that many hours in a normal week to, you yeah. know, there's so yeah. much, you know, you can do, but it, it got me into shape, you know, and so there's, there are good sides to it too. So, so 
more nerf. <laughs> yeah, more nerf, nerf or nerf like. It should or be exercise. A, exercise is a really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obsession. Yeah, I, I don't guess, know. I guess I just want to be healthy and live forever. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. My obsession is salads and <laughs> aerobic exercise. Arugula. Yeah, okay, I'm really yeah. into arugula these days. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so I've been asking people to make noises to sort of sum up their obsession. So <laughs> you've kind of already you've already made the pop 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 the violent gangster rap pop. <laughs> the the blaster. Pop. Would you be willing to do an extemporaneous speech on some random topic? Yeah, you mean right now? Yeah, yeah, just like a short one. Oh like, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's. Do you have a topic? Um, let's see. I'm I'm gonna. How pull much prep time do I get? Um, I'm gonna pull up my. Do you want to do like a minute? Do you want to do like a, <laughs> sure. full, a full minute? Because do it. I think I think you can. No problem. Okay. A minute, uh, a minute long speech or a minute long prep time? A minute long speech. Right? Minute long speech. Oh, just yeah. making sure. Yeah, prep yeah, time yeah. would be real boring. Uh, uh, so, is there something else in your life that we haven't discussed that you have been obsessed with in the past that you'd like to give an informational speech on? <laughs> sure. Uh, hacky sex came immediately to mind. Okay. <laughs> the lame. I'm so lame when I find okay. out things I'm obsessed with. So, uh, this is going to be Tom Reed's one minute extemporaneous <laughs> speech called Hacky Sex and You. <laughs> hacky Sex and You. And go. Uh, awesome philosopher Emmanuel Kant once said uh, that to be balanced is to find all things in life in a harmony. Uh, as we can see from Emmanuel Kant's uh, brilliant words, hacky sacks are truly an important part of modern life. First, we'll talk about how hacky sacks build balance. Second, we'll talk about the benefits of balance. And third, we'll find that hacky sacks are, in fact, for you. So first, as I said earlier, uh, hacky sacks teach a lot of great balance skills. When you are standing in a place and kicking hacky sacks through the air, you'll get better uh, coordinated, and your feet will move when you want them to without you tipping over. So what you should do is take that, understand, applying that to your life will build harmony in all things. You'll become a more harmonious person, get along better with your neighbors, fitter, happier, etc. And so you should invest in a series of 12 to 15 hacky sacks when you are briefly obsessed with them when you're about 16 and you want to draw a tape circle in your bedroom. True story, uh, in which you would stand and kick hacky sacks alone in your room. <laughs> so I uh, believe we've learned today, hacky sacks are in fact for you. Nice! What's, what's my time? 107. Oh! oh seven, nine, seven seconds over. Seven seconds over. Oh, thanks for the flex time. I if appreciate you it. just hadn't said, as I said previously. <laughs> so I said you previously. Said exactly. <laughs> that right. was amazing. That was <laughs> oh. awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I did the category of impromptu in college, and that is basically what you do. You find a quote, you're given a quote, and then you apply it to a bunch of canned stuff you already know about. <laughs> so you, just, you just start with a bullshit yeah, yeah, philosophical do. quote. <laughs> you start with a bunch of BS. Uh, and then, you know, you have like 10, you, you take that and you have one of four ways you're going to analyze it. You force fit it into one of those. <laughs> and then you pull some examples that you have canned in your mind uh, and, again, force fit something. And the really good impromptu speeches don't feel force fit because they're lucky or have a wide, a lot of, um, a, a big a library of canned things in their brain. Canned things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, do people get the quotes wrong? As Abraham Lincoln once said, <laughs> yeah, here is awesome. Absolutely. Usually in that exact context, you're reading the quotation and then saying what you think of it, but they'll get like facts wrong for sure within <laughs> it. Like, uh, the first example I'll use is the Civil War. As we know, in 1907, when the West attacked the East, you know, it wouldn't be that brazen, but uh, certainly. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And, and you're taught too, like, a break in fluency, catching yourself doing something wrong and like stuttering for a second is a bad thing. So at all costs, you just blaze forward in a way that is not like normal conversation in any other context. Right. So if you realize you're doing something wrong, you just own it harder. <laughs> uh, like, 
As I said, 1903 was the Civil War. <laughs> As I said previously, that's my favorite speech. Exactly. Adaptation. <laughs> yeah, I signposted the crap out of that because that's another thing you're supposed to do. Is, Here's what I'm going to talk about. Talk about it. And then what did I talk about? <laughs> oh, it's a five-paragraph thing from high school, you know. Like, intro, you, you did, body, you, body, body, conclusion. You signpost the hell out of that in a minute. That that's was one thing awesome. I can do. It's signpost. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of essay <laughs> training. So, that yeah, I'm yeah. kind of an asshole. To my wife about that sometimes. Like, could you start with your thesis statement so <laughs> right. I know what we're talking about? Where are you going? Where are you going with this? Okay, now I will buy the evidence you're presenting now that I know where you're going. Total to. asshole. Yeah, right. So. Uh, me, not my wife. Uh, just for, <laughs> Thank for you for clarifying. perfect clarity. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I have some final questions um, sure. that I ask people on the podcast. Mm-hmm. If you could teleport to just one place on Earth, where would you teleport to? Oh, man. Uh, it's nice outside today, or I would say somewhere sunny. Uh, and warm, where I could wear flip flops. But uh, you know, honestly, the first thing that came to mind even before that was the Nerf factory. <laughs> Obviously, I've got Nerf on the brain today, so that might not be uh, my answer all the time. Uh, but I would, I would actually love to see the inside of the place where they're designed and put together and, and, and stuff, and see all their like the things they're smashing together to like you know create a prototype for whatever is next. That'd be pretty sweet. Really, most days that would not be my answer. Uh, it would probably be to somewhere sunny. Uh, where there also happened to be awesome theater happening outdoors. So if there is a sunny theater complex slash <laughs> yes. nerf construction area, <laughs> exactly. it'd, it'd be like, holy shit. It'd be an open-air stadium on Broadway, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> they should really get on that. I know there's like Shakespeare in the Park, but is there like... Oh, yeah. I mean, you could totally do a Hamlet with Nerf guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Awesome. Uh, if you could replace only one part of your body with a bionic body part, which part would it be, and what would the bionic part do? This is boring, but my first thought is my lower back I would replace with a bionic <laughs> lower back that could never be damaged and never get sore, and uh, and would just it would never cause any problems. Both my parents had terrible backs and like bad knees, and I, I haven't had anything major, but I've had like little bits of lower back trouble over okay. the years, and so I would. Just replace that, because then I would never have to think about it again. Uh, I love that answer, because I'm incredibly thinking, practical. Like, be like really impressed when you do something like bend over, like <laughs> right. look at that guy. He's not even lifting with his knees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be so strong. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I would just lift things all day long with my all day long with my back and never pay the consequences. <laughs> I would shovel my whole like neighborhood <laughs> and never get sore. It'd be great. Nice. Oh, uh, I should have picked machine gun arms or something. I think bionic back is better (laughs) for lifting. So practical. Because how do you eat with a machine gun hand, right? You don't. How do you cuddle someone with a machine gun hand? You don't. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. (laughs) The cold (laughs) machine. He'll take the machine gun from my cold machine gun (laughs) hand. Right, right. Actually, is my hand. Uh, Uh, And finally, uh, what is happiness? A warm gun. Oh, that was trite. <laughs> oh, happiness. Uh, serious answer. Happiness is probably like, like comfort, like not having worries about those sort of basic need things, and at the same time, like moving toward goals that are sort of satisfying in a non-survival way. Like you know, <laughs> if you're if all the survival needs are met and you feel comfy about those and you're not worried about where your next meal or if the furnace is going to break or whatever, if you're not worried about that, those kinds of things and you're actually getting to like do things that you love for the sake of loving them and like are working toward goals. I don't know, at least for me, like I like to, I like to, 
like do things and and like accomplish things regardless of how minor. Even like yeah. shooting a Nerf gun accurately is accomplishing something in my mind. Like right. You started like goal oriented. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, task complete. Get out my checklist and cross that off of there. <laughs> so for me, it would be like having something achievable. I'm uh, <clears throat> achievable. I'm working toward while not having to worry about other things. I think I just described like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> I think you actually did. I think I just said self-actualization <laughs> is happiness. Like when your basic needs are met, then you can... But yeah, that's true for me at least. I think. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a, a nice, it was a nice, informative, impromptu speech oh, on Maslow's hierarchy oh, of needs. It was great. What I do. That's the least great. entertaining answer I could have come up with. Well, you know, when your basic needs are met and you're doing something fun. No, that's a good. Is there another definition answer. of happiness? No, there's been a lot on this <laughs> podcast, yeah, and yeah. some some are jokes, and some are people searching. Uh, seriously, yeah, seriously, and seriously. Uh, and that was that's a great factual one. Yeah, I don't know if you. <laughs> when I'm not on fire, I'm not hungry. I don't have to pee <laughs> and oh, I'm hope, playing a video game. I hope you that didn't want a joke because that was just serious. No, that was great. But just for fun, uh, yeah. can you can you take us out by making some uh, gangster rap <laughs> nerf popping noises one yes. more time? Thank you, Tom. <laughs> You're that is so our welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. This is the sound of my awesomest, biggest, badassest Nerf gun. Oh, jammed. No. No. There it is. One more try? One more. All right. Oh, this guy's never jammed before. That makes me really sad. This is the sound of my biggest, badassest Nerf gun.